Hey there, we're so glad you tuned in today. We would love to hear how God is using this podcast to encourage you. You can do so by visiting our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. It's hard not to be annoyed by heavy construction on the roads, especially in the season we're about to enter. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You get on the road, it's summertime, the sun is out. Yes, the sun is out. Construction detours have begun. Potholes everywhere that need to be covered up. Inconvenient, dare I say, inconvenient moments in the road. And I know when you see those construction signs, you're thinking, so awesome. I get to hang here a little longer. By and large, most of us don't say, that's really awesome. Most of us get frustrated with that. But we hope that at the end of that time, we will have better roads. In similar fashion, I believe there are times in our lives that we go through some things and we think, you know what? God, this is not fun. And I'm waiting on this line. But here's my hope. That by the end of this construction site, we're going to have better roads better ways to get to our destiny, better ways to get to our promises. And when we talk about promises, we took last week and we took a good look at Joshua and his road. And we talked about living big enough. Everybody say big enough. Many people live their lives where they trust God to be big enough in their lives and their faith is big enough to get to the next step, but not big, just big enough. Many of us have have come to a place where we've hit walls almost. It's almost like we hit a wall because we trusted God enough just to take that one step, but we are not willing to go any further. And that's kind of what you just heard in that share my story. You heard just enough to kind of feel like I'm religious, just enough to give to God this way, or just enough serving to feel good about myself. But what about big steps of faith? Well, big steps of faith happens when little steps of faith of obedience are worked out in your life. You can't take giant leaps if you don't take those little ones. It's very difficult to take big steps of faith when the little ones are ignored. Most of the big decisions you make in your life, you didn't know they were big decisions. Hello? Most of the time, those big decisions that you made were they seemed insignificant. How many will agree with that? They seemed insignificant, but they were a crossroad. They were a, a, a place where you didn't realize that your decision was going to have this repercussion. And for some of you, blessing. For those of you, maybe not so much. There are takeaways in this life that we could follow. And we looked at Joshua last week, and I want to look a little bit at Joshua too, but I want to add two more characters to our storyline here today, and that's Moses... And Aaron. And let's look, if you would, with me as we continue to look at this is not a series, this is a continuation thought on big enough. Turn with me to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. Now I want to teach for a moment, if you don't, if you 
uh, if you don't mind, I want to take a few moments to be able to, to teach on Numbers 13 just a little bit. Can I do that? In fact, I'm going to have a stool here in just a moment, and we're going to talk a little bit about Numbers 13, because for those of you um, that know about Numbers 13, Numbers 13 deals with a man by the name of Moses. Thank you. It deals with a man by the name of Moses who sends out some spies, right? Hey, if you get to sit, I get to sit. He sends out some spies and he goes out and he says to them, find out some information, do a covert operation, right? And he says, I want you to find out a few things. If you want to look at it, you can look at it there in Numbers 13. And he says to them, Look for people that are weak or strong. Look for people that are few or many. Find out if they're good or bad, rich or poor, if there's a forest or not. Find out this information. Right? You look in, you look in verses 26 and 27 around there, early before that, you see. But you notice one thing at the end of that. Here's what he says. He says this, but when all is said and done, He says, bring back fruit. He says, find out information. Information is important, right? How many know that you can go through life finding out a lot of information but never doing anything with it? Right? We got kids in school right now. And they would tell me, Dad, why do I need to learn this? Anybody ever thought that when you were in school? Right? Spirit of God's moving right over there. It's awesome. You you know what I'm talking about? You ever felt like, what do I need to know this? This is absolutely useless information, right? Because we can have a lot of information, but no life change. So here's what he said. He said, go out, find out if they're strong or weak. Find out if they're good or bad. Find out all that information. But at the end of this whole thing, before you get back, bring back fruit. I thought that was interesting. Why is that? Why is that so important? Well, let me tell you something. The Bible tells us in John 15, 16, you did not chose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should bear fruit. Now, this is not up on your screen. This is just John 15, 16. He called you and chose you and appointed you to what? Bear fruit. Here's what Joshua did not say. When you go into the land, depending on the information that you get, then determine whether you should bring back fruit. Never said that. He never said, if it's good, if it's, you know, if the people aren't life-threatening, if they're nice, then ask them for food. If they're not nice, just don't bring back fruit. No, he said, whatever the information is, it is what it is, but bring back fruit. Find a way. Now, let me go to this for a second because I want you to know something. Your perception of the position that you're in should not determine whether you bring back fruit for God or not. Let me say this, let me say this maybe a little differently. Your trial and circumstance should not determine whether you're obedient or not. Your perception of the reality that is around you should not determine whether you're honest with God or not. 
It should not change whether you're faithful to your spouse or not. It should not change whether you will love and pray, seek and find, love and knock. It shouldn't change any of those things because all those things are walks of obedience. Honoring God with your life, walk of obedience. Honoring your neighbor as yourself, walking in obedience. Giving to the poor and the needy, that's obedience. Are you hearing me? Your life should not determine whether you should do these things. God says, no matter what the circumstances is, obey me before you worry about all these other things. Because obedience is better than what? Sacrifice. So I have two thoughts that I want to incorporate into my message here this morning to you. Who's ready for those? See, if God provided something, no matter who is there, bring back fruit. No matter what's going on in that promised land, bring back fruit. No matter what things get difficult, bring back fruit. Say it with me. Bring back fruit. No matter what's happening in your life, if stuff gets dicey at work, no matter if your neighbor is nice or nasty, you can know all the information you need to know, but whatever you find out shouldn't change the fact that you should. I know it's monotonous, but that's the way we remember. Bring back fruit. So here's the thought. The fear and the presence of bad guys or bad things shouldn't alter your blessing. The presence of, of bad people bad-mouthing you should not stop you from living right before God. You want to defend yourself? Defend your faith. People will always have something to say about you. Jesus was perfect. And everybody, everybody found a way to say something about Jesus. Everybody that was religious at least. Even if it was good. Even if it was bad. So here's my first thought. When, if you want to have big faith and you want to move from big enough to big, you need to see the fruit instead of the fear. If you want to live big faith, if you want big faith, you need to learn to look at the fruit and say, God, I need to bring back faith or bring back fruit in my life and not focus on the fear that is often overwhelming our society today. Show of hands, how many realize that fear is overwhelming our society today? I've never seen people so fearful in my life. In my life. I've never seen people so fearful about this, that, and the other. Where's my money going to come from? Where is this going to, where is that going to come from? Fearful, fear, 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 fear. Can I encourage you with this? Focus on the fruit, not on the fear. God, let me, let me do this task. Let me stay faithful. Let's look at Numbers 13, verse 26, and I'm going to read up to verse 33. They came back to Moses. How many got it? Verse 26 to 33. They came back to Moses. This is after they did their spy, their little um, ninja operation. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community 
at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. And they reported to them and the whole assembly, and watch this, and what? Showed them the fruit of the land. Right? They gave Moses this account. And here's what they said. Moses, we went into the land. And where you sent us is flowing with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. But Moses, 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 Moses. The people who live there, they're so powerful. They're ginormous. And the cities are fortified and very large. The cities are large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in Negev. And the Hittites and the Jebuites and the Amorites live in the country. And the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Let me stop there for a moment. Because I want you to notice something. The first thing that Joshua and Caleb did was what? Tell them how big the giants were. They didn't. Here's what they did. Here's the fruit you asked for. Here's the step of obedience I have for you. Not big enough. Not big enough faith. I'm bringing you the fruit you asked for. Here it is. And then people started opening their mouths. People that had bad reports. You, some of you know the story, right? You know the story. There were some, many, most of which had negative to say. That's not a good idea. I ran the numbers. I ran the numbers. And how many know that God's math isn't our math? God has ran the numbers. Guess what? He don't care. He don't care about our numbers. He says, I have a higher level of math. That doesn't have anything to do with your logic. I want you to understand something. The first thing that Joshua and Caleb did was they brought the fruit. They focused on the fruit. What is the payout of following Jesus? Some of you may have asked this question. What is the reward for being faithful? You know what the reward of being faithful is? When you bring him what he said bring him, he's going to double that. God is not in the business of adding. God tends to multiply. We like to add. We like to add. God says, I'm in the multiplication business. Like, you may work in the addition and the subtraction. I'm in the multiplication business. That's why he wants us to make disciples. Have you ever heard this term, stand fast? How many ever heard the term, stand fast? Even in scripture, there's versions that, that talk about stand fast. This is, the, this is the perfect phrase to put the story that I'm about to tell you and that took place in a national park. As far as I know, this story is true. But after a forest fire at Yellowstone National Park, forest rangers began their trek up the mountain to assess the damage. One ranger found the bird literally petrified in ashes, perched statue-like on the ground at the base of a tree. He, st he, startled, he was startled by the eerie sight he knocked over the bird with a stick, the, the guy, and when he struck it, three tiny chicks scurried from under that mother's wings. That loving mother did what loving mothers do and knew that something could harm her chicks, and she covered the babies, and she took the blow herself. 
The heat had scorched her body, but you know what she did? She stood fast. She knew what was coming her way, but she stood fast. And I think that that's the perfect picture for me. And you think, well, you know, but the, the Christ stood fast for me, and I have to stand fast for him. No matter what comes my way, I have to stand firm and protect and be a part of what he is doing. How many agree with that? We, we agree. Most of us would agree that if we were in a situation like that and we had our kids, I know, I know for a fact if my kids were harmed, I would put myself right in the way of harm so that they themselves wouldn't do it. And many of you have in certain ways. There were probably moments in your life where you've done that. Some of you financially, you put yourself in financial harm harm's way just to help your children. I want to tell you something. This little bird was willing to die for her little chicks because she was standing fast. Sometimes you have to look at the end result to go through what you're going through. And this bird saw the end result as a protected chicks, protected babies. And I want to tell you something. This mama bird knew danger and fear but acted in spite of it. How many times have we ourselves reacted to fear instead of faith? Can I encourage you today? Don't live big enough. Live big. And so, what do you fear about your faith today for a moment? Can I ask you that question? What do you fear about your faith? Let's look at verse um, here in Numbers 13. Let's look at verse 30 for a moment because I want to bring my second point. And here's my second point. The first one is focus on what? The fruit instead of the fear, right? The second one is simply this. Silence the wrong voices. Silence the wrong voices. Now raise your hand if you've had negative voices in your life. Raise your hand if you've ever had negative voices in your life. I think we all have, right? But verse 30 paints a picture for us, doesn't it? Look at verse 30. Then Caleb silenced the people. It wasn't Joshua. Caleb stepped up this time. Right? Caleb stepped up and he said, hold up. Quiet. Enough. All you do is talk about, look at me. All you do is talk about how big these giants are. Didn't you see the fruit we brought back? Didn't you see the faithfulness of God to bring us to this? Why? Because there were whispers and murmurs of what? Let's go back to Egypt. Let's go back to where we were because at least we knew where our food was coming from. And we don't have to face these giants. But you know what you also don't have to face? A destiny. Your purpose. They were so focused on the giants and their fear and all the other things that many of us focus on. Can I tell you something? If you focus on the, 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 the fear, you'll never see the fruit. And Caleb stopped for a moment and he said, listen, we should go up in verse 30 and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. Caleb knew who his God was. Caleb knew who his God. Do you know who your God is? Is your God big enough or is he a big God? I hope that this Bible that you read paints the picture of a very big God. And he's called us to have big faith. But Pastor Tony, I've only been in the Lord a few months. 
I really don't know too much about the scriptures. Well, crack it open and get to learning. Crack it open, get to read. It's not going to read itself. Understand what God has for you. But you know what? Do something. I can't change the world, Pastor Tony. I really can't. Listen, do for one what you wish you could do for many. But do something. Go and bear fruit. Because a lot of people sit around talking about how big the giants are. People stand around talking about how it's impossible to take this land. Is that you? Do you sit around telling everybody how impossible your situation is? Instead of telling your opposition how big your God is? Come on, somebody. I thought that will preach. Stop telling everybody how big your problem is. Silence the wrong voices. Sometimes you just got to tell the world, be quiet. I don't want to hear you. Sometimes you got to shut off the TV. How many, how many of you got to shut off the TV sometimes? Shut off the radio. Shut off everything. And say, God, I'm tired of listening to everybody else's opinion. You know what I learned a long time ago as a believer? I got to stop worrying about people hearing my opinion. As Americans, we're caught up in this idea that somehow everybody needs to know my opinion. Nobody really needs to know my opinion. Don't give too many amens. The laughter I can appreciate. But you hear what I'm saying? I need to know his opinion. I need to know what he says. Because we sit around talking about our opinions. Does it really have eternal value? No. Newsflash, the world doesn't revolve around you, sweetie. Sugar pie. It doesn't revolve around me either. It's a newsflash. But it does circle in the hands of the maker. So I'm going to tell you something. Hold off on your opinions once in a while. And just put your face in the book and say, God, your opinion matters. And you know what Caleb had to do? Silence now. Let's just take this land. Let's take this land. And let's do what God called us to do. Didn't he say this land was ours? You all talking about Egypt. What do you want to talk about Egypt for? All that Egypt wanted to do was oppress you. All Egypt wanted to do was keep you bound. Why are you so concerned about going back there? Why? Because it's easier to take the people out of Egypt than Egypt out of the people. But the men, verse 31, but the men who had gone up from him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those that are in it. All the people we saw there are great size. We saw Nephilim, and then the descendants of Anak came with Nephilim. They seem like we seem like grasshoppers in our in our eyes, and we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked at them; they were giants, big people. Listen, for some people, many people, their faith will only go as far as their eyes can take them. Are you hearing me? For some people, their faith will only extend as far as their sight can take them. 
those are not the people you follow. Those are not the people you listen to. If you're following someone and their, their sight is limited, their vision is limited, stop for a moment and say, God, now what? What do you need me to do here? Because without a vision, of people perish, right? You know what I'm so excited about as a, as a pastor? Is that I get to pastor a church with a bunch of Joshua's and Caleb's. I'm serious. I have a church full of Joshua and Caleb's in this place that believe with me for great things. And you know what they do? They pray with me that we would silence the dead voices in my life, that they would silence the wrong voices and start believing the one voice that really does matter. When he says this is yours, nobody can take it from you. Nobody can take it from you. Last week I spoke about voices and I realized that voices can be vices. Voices can be vices. You know what those voices say? God can't. You can't. God won't. You aren't going to be able to do. There's no way you can. God doesn't hear you. What are you listening to? What are you listening to? I'll never forget... In 2014, I was watching the uh, I was watching the Olympics, and the NBA players were in the Olympics in 2014. And I was watching, and the NBA All Star Paul George broke his leg on the court. And the reason why I can't forget is because of instant replay. Dear Lord, it was horrific. And not only that, sometimes they don't even play it all the time. He had went up and landed weird, and he literally broke his leg on the, on the court. It was the nastiest, one of the nastiest snaps I've ever seen. But you know what made it really nasty? Over and over again. I got on social media, minding my own business. There's the replay. Snap. Oh, Lordy. Help me, that's horrible. I get on another video of it. What is wrong with you people? They played it over and over again. Sports Center, turn away from the screen if you don't like gruesome, but here it is. Not that we're not going to show this to you. We're going to show it to you. But we're just going to warn you. It's hot, but take a sip. Over and over again. Why? Because we're infatuated with instant replay. How many times has instant replay, the enemy worked instant replay, the wrong voice over and over in your head? How many games has he played with you because you were listening to the wrong voices? Right? What somebody thought about you. What somebody said about you. What somebody never said about you, but you think they said about you. Oh, hello. Oh, I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there. Right? I think this person thinks this about me. And that plays over and over like a broken record. And they never thought that. But you thought it. And you think they thought it. But they never thought it. You thought it. Over and over again. Instant replay. They think, why they look at me like that? I knew it. I knew it. 
Did you see the way they looked at my shoes? They don't like me. You hear what I'm saying? You need to, you need to just straight up stop the voices that become vices in your life. And say, silence, enough. Let's go for it. We can sit back on cruise control. Or we can hit the, we can hit the gas pedal and get somewhere. And I believe with all my heart that God is calling this church to continue to put your foot on the pedal and realize that God has put some incredible people in your path and he has a screening room. And Jesus is there. And the screening room is the enemy trying to tell you, look at all the things you did wrong. But the accuser of the brethren is working overtime not realizing that our defender Jesus says, I paid for that. I paid for that. The accuser of the brethren says something. I paid for that. He is a great attorney. Come on, somebody. He's a great defender. I thought somebody would say amen to that. Let me tell you something. Are you playing the wrong voices over and over in your head? The wrong promises. You think, I promise I can't make it. God says, I promise you already did. You've been given a fresh start when you accept Jesus. Now it's time to live that fresh start. Now listen, Numbers 14. I'm going to read a few verses here. Are you ready? Numbers 14, for those of you that uh, have that handy, just skip over one chapter. And I want to say this uh, really quickly here. Verse 5, chapter 14, verse 5. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun. And Caleb, son of Zephaniah, were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes, and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. This is the voices you need to listen to right here. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Not uh, only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. You thought they would have been inspired at this moment, right? Nope. They now started talking about stoning them. How's that for inspiration? You pour out your heart. Let's go into the land God gave us. Let's do this. Yeah. Nope. Rewind. Let's go into the land God gave us. Get me that big boulder right over there. Just bring it here. No, you stay right there. Bring me that boulder. Why? Because voices can be vices. Voices can be vices in your life. I'm going to tell you something. The whole assembly talked about stoning him. Look at verse 10. Look at it with your own eyes. After that word that came out of their mouth, they talked about stoning him. But I want you to read on. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent. That's all I'm going to stop right there. Sometimes when things get most, the most difficult is when the glory would fall. 
Sometimes when you had to go through some things so that the glory would fall. When they had all the answers, but nobody accepted it, God said, okay, you've done everything you could. Joshua and Caleb, I'm proud of you. Now step to the side. Let me handle this. The glory of God fell. Now hear me and hear me closely. Sometimes the glory don't come till after the, the words of negativity come your way. Moses pleaded with God not to destroy them and God listened. But can I tell you something? Here's the saddest part of that story. None of them but Joshua and Caleb made it to the promised land. All the people that were talking about stoning him didn't make it. All the people that brought back negative report didn't make it. Can I tell you something? We learn in scripture one thing. If you focus on the fruit instead of the fear, what does that mean? Get to work. Do something. Live big. And then when you're living big, shut out the wrong voices. Because the wrong voices will put you on the wrong path. How many get what I'm saying today? Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. That's big faith. That's big faith. That's not big enough. That's big faith. I'll make you fishers of men. I'm thankful for this church that realized that Joshua 24, 12, where it says, you did not do it with your own sword and bow. God made it very clear. We did not do this on our own. Peace and security and joy are found in Jesus Christ alone. Now, let me share this thought with you. Joshua, his entire life was about serving God. Let me ask you, do you live faith big enough or big? Bow your heads all across this room. Bow your heads all across this room. That reminder that we did not do this on our own brings us to this moment. I want to pray a prayer over you. Lord Jesus, I'm asking you right now. Real soft, just real soft in the back. Lord, I'm asking you right now in this place that you would speak to us to have big faith. Lord, some of us feel like we can't get there because we never had big faith. But God, big faith comes in small steps. We often think big, big faith comes in big steps. No, God. Big faith comes in small steps of obedience. And so God, I pray right now that if there's anyone in the sound of my voice that needs to hear from you, cause them to step out and believe you. To live their life pleasing before you. Reading your word, diligently praying and seeking. Worshiping not, out, not just on Sundays, but every day. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that none of us, none of us will come to a place where we think we've arrived. Let's set it on cruise control. But God, that we will press on to the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, help us to live big faith. Lord, we realize that the nation of Israel was a representation of you. 
I pray that, God, we would be a representation of the presence of God in our lives. The people we come and encounter every day, we will represent you. In Jesus' name. You know, I thought about something, church. I want you to look up for me for a moment. Imagine you had a new pair of white gloves. I intended on getting a pair of white gloves for this thought, just to kind of visualize it, but it's okay. And a pair of white gloves. If you had a bowl full of mud, you had those white gloves and you reached into that bowl and you start creating something with it. Now I have what? I've muddied my gloves. In all my life, I have never, ever done that. But in reality is, if you've done that, you would muddy your gloves. I've never, ever would imagine that you can do the opposite, glovey the mud. (laughs) Makes no sense. You can't have remnants of your glove on that mud. The mud automatically attracts to those, to that particular pure element. And so what I'm saying is this, if you have a pure faith, but you continuously put it among the mud, your faith have a difficult time staying pure. It's easy for the mud to land anywhere it lands, it's mud. Impure things, having a very easy time landing where they land because it's impure, it has no concerns. But for those of us of faith, we have to be very careful what we do with our lives. That means the voices, that means the people, that means the relationships that we have. That doesn't mean we avoid everybody, but it does mean that those that are walking purely are more susceptible to running into dirt and things that would hinder our lives. Does that make sense? The pure is always susceptible to the dirt, never the other way around. So live your life in a way that honors God in purity without dipping your hands into mud, so to speak, allowing the voices that are now vices in your life. Would you stand with me for a moment?